You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. My guest on today's episode of Talking Taiwan is Jalisa Tucker. I met Jalisa when I did some work for a nonprofit that educates young people about healthy relationships. In light of what's happened since the murder of George Floyd, which led to protests in Minneapolis, here in New York, across the country, and around the world, I wanted to have a conversation about what's led to all this social unrest and what we, especially non-Black people, can do at this time. There were a lot of things that precipitated all this, and now the Black Lives Matter movement has gained a lot of steam. That led me to reach out to Jalisa and to invite her onto the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Jalisa. Thank you, Felicia. It's so good to see you again. <laughs> yes. So would you mind introducing yourself briefly to my audience? Yes. Uh, my name is Jalisa Tucker. Um, I work for a nonprofit that teaches people about relationships, essentially. And that's actually how I met and know Felicia. <laughs> Let's just start from the beginning with the death of George Floyd. Um, so... Uh, what can we tell people about this um, for people who may have heard about it, but they don't know all the details? Yeah. Um, first off, I just want to thank you very much for inviting me on um, and for deciding to touch upon this topic. I think it's important for everyone to know what's going on, to understand why there's so much unrest and why people are so angry um, and are protesting and breaking systems down <laughs> and asking yeah. for a complete overhaul. So. Um, super excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, George Floyd was actually a 46-year-old man, um, unarmed black man that was apprehended by the police on May 25th um, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He um, was arrested for allegedly using a counterfeit bill, which don't know if that's true, but you know would make sense given we're in a during we're um, in the middle of a pandemic and people don't have a lot of money. Um, so he was arrested for supposedly using a um, counterfeit bill. And there's a recording, a uh, video recording by a bystander who was around while he was being arrested and was recording um, what is now being widely called the eight minutes and 46 seconds seen around the world. Um, during that time, we watch a man be killed on camera essentially. Derek Shelvin, I believe is his name, was the officer who kneeled on George's neck during that time. And you know, you can hear George repeatedly say, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Um, at one point he even seems to regress a little bit. He's calling out for his mom, who we now know has been gone for quite some time. Um, he's calling out for mom, he's saying I can't breathe, and in the end he passes away. Um, that video has sparked protests around the world, not just in the, in the U.S., um, notably in the U.S., um, but also in like Sydney, Australia. I believe it happened in um, New Zealand and in London. Um, just protests everywhere because I think people just couldn't believe their eyes. They couldn't believe yeah. what they saw during that eight minutes and 46 seconds. Right. I mean, it was just so graphic and so obvious. Everything was like caught on camera. You could see. I actually chose not to watch it because I didn't want to be traumatized by watching it. But um, from what I understand, you can see the officer's face. You can see uh, Mr. Floyd's face. You can see everything. So I think that's what a lot of people have said it was like most shocking about it, is that everything was caught on a video. Um, and 
I understand that this is not really just about this single incident about what happened with George Floyd, but for years, and even just this year, there's been a number of incidents that have happened leading up to his uh, murder. Um, Shall we discuss some of those things? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I do think that George's murder was sort of like the straw um, (laughs) that broke the pony's back or whatever the saying is. Um, And I don't mean to make light of the situation by like smiling and laughing, but um, I think that it's a lot of different things that are happening right now. Earlier this year, we witnessed the killing of Ahmaud Aubrey, who was 25 years old. He was jogging in a neighborhood outside of Brunswick, Georgia, um, on February 23rd, when he was approached by two men, um, Gregory McMichael and his son. Um, and they later told the police that they approached um, Ahmad because he fit the description of someone that was robbing houses, I believe, in the neighborhood or something like that. Um, and we watched what happened to Ahmad on video as well. Um, there was a little bit of a struggle, obviously. They're approaching him with a gun, and so he's tussling with them. And then he tries to get away. He tries to run away, um, was probably afraid for his life, and was shot. Um, and then in, on March 13th, officers were executing a no-knock search warrant at the home of Brianna Taylor. Um, Authorities suspected a man involved in a drug ring was receiving packages of drugs to her house. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I believe that is the reason why they had the warrant in the first place. Um, And what ended up happening is on March 13th, they broke down her door and shot her eight times. And then I believe on, in May, um, there was an an incident that you and I actually spoke about briefly um, in Central Park in New York. I'm in New York, by the way, um, between Chris Cooper and Amy Cooper. Essentially, I believe what happened was um, Amy had her dog um, off of the leash in an area or zone of Central Park where your dog is supposed to be on the leash. He asked her to put your dog, her dog on the leash. She was not trying to hear it, um, which is, it's interesting because that's a very normal thing. Like, you know, someone's like, obey, obey the rules and someone's like, ah, why do you have to be a stickler? You know what I'm saying? But things became escalated and more heated when she threatened to call the police on him and said, and she actually said like, I'm going to call the police on you and tell them uh, an angry black man is yelling at me and I'm a white woman. And the fact that Amy, and she probably, you know, isn't, she maybe she wouldn't consider herself racist um, in her normal life. But the fact that she knew, she knew inherently that she could weaponize her race against him is it's just it's just it's crazy actually it's absolutely crazy and terrifying at the same time because all he did was ask her to put the dog on a leash um and then on top of all three of these incidents we get another video which is george being suffocated before our eyes and at some point i think people are just like when is enough going to be enough i think when trayvon martin passed away um all those years ago um i think a lot of people not many black people of color but i think a lot of other people including non-black people of color and white people thought you know that was just an isolated incident that was just an unfortunate isolated incident but we know that's not true and finally i think that now that everyone is equipped with cell phones and are able usually to record events if possible i think people are now starting to understand the reality of what black 
people of color and non-black people of color have been experiencing in America for years. And my understanding is in other countries as well. Um, so that's, I think, the events that led up to what we now see, see as unrest with um, the George Floyd protest happening. Right. And um, you mentioned Trayvon Martin. Um, his death is actually what sparked the Black Lives Matter movement. Is that correct? It is correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, I believe Black Lives Matter was a hashtag that was started by um, a black woman. Mm -hmm. um, and it really perfectly encompassed what we were all feeling and thinking, but not really saying. Yeah. So Black Lives Matter, um, black lives don't matter. It's always been something that we've always kind of felt and known. Our lives are not as valuable as maybe our white counterparts. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a sentiment we've always, we've grown up hearing or, or knowing, um, either through, through direct experience, um, or just, you know, um, based on the, the stories of our, our, our family members who've had terrible experiences with law enforcement, we've always known these, this, these things. And so when incidents like Trayvon Martin or George Floyd happen and everyone gets to kind of see it, it kind of, you know, I don't know, it, it just makes everything feel a little bit more, um, hmm, what's the word, dire or extreme. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how have you, what's your, what's been your personal experience dealing with all this? Like, how are you process, processing this? How are you dealing with it? Um, I'm processing it a lot better now, kind of. It's kind of been an emotional choo-choo train, and it always is for me, especially when there's video involved. Um, I consider myself a very spiritual person. I'm involved with a lot of different groups, and... Um, I'm always grateful for the love and support I um, receive from people. Um, I'm always surprised by the lack of support I receive from some people um, and the lack of understanding I see in some communities. It's always interesting because you never know where it's going to come from, actually. Mm. Um, and that always makes me feel like I'm on edge because... Oh, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. It is. Um, because I don't understand how you can continuously minimize or um, deny what the reality is. Um, I've heard from some people that this is a conspiracy to start some sort of race war, which I find disrespectful because it totally disregards the experiences of Black people way before George Floyd or Trayvon Martin. These are just the incidents that have been caught on camera and that you've had the privilege, not the privilege, excuse me, the opportunity to see for yourself. But this is the lived experience of so many people. It's actually kind of crazy. Yeah, that's an important point because it's not just the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, that's just the hashtag of the name that's been given, but this has been going on for far longer. Yes. And because we have the technology now, a lot of these incidents, in fact, most of the incidents we talked about were somehow captured on video. Um, for me, like, yeah, I mean, it's really made me stop and think um, what I know, just even about the Black American experience, about the civil rights movement, about our history. Um, it's really challenged me to think about that and what are my biases or what are the um, missing parts of my understanding. Yeah, and I think that there's a real big barrier to understanding the Black experience. The fact that African American history 
American history yes. um, is not taught in, in depth in, in schools. Right. Um, and the amount of information you get really depends on what state, what school district you go to. It's not taught in full. It's absolutely, it's like a crime, I think. The fact that I personally had to go to college to learn about Black history beyond the civil rights movement and Jim Crow laws, which we only touched upon um, very lightly in high school, is it's it's a crime. Um, you have to go to college and then like raise your hand to take a class just to learn um, about a really important piece of American history. And so I think that there's a real educational um, barrier there um, that keeps people from really making the connection between that and where we are now. Um, there's a film on, I believe it's a docu-film on Netflix by Ava DuVernay. It's called mm -hmm. 13th. I think it does yes. a really great job um, for those of you listening of sort of making, bridging that gap and making the connection between slavery, Jim Crow, the civil rights and school to prison pipeline and where we are with the criminal justice system and why it actually does a disservice to communities of color, vulnerable communities, and um, people of color across this country. Yeah, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth, or like you spoke what I was thinking, because that's something that I've been thinking a lot about is the gaps in the education. I grew up in Canada, so I don't exactly know what um, American students learn in high school and all that. Um, but I realized like, there's a lot of gaps in my understanding. Like I learned what I do know about the Asian American um, history or movement in the U.S. just from my own education and my own involvement with different groups. So I think there are definitely a lot of gaps there and that could, you know, there should be some reform in education also. What are people really protesting about now? Like, what is it they want? I believe Black Lives Matter, the organization, not the hashtag, um, is actually calling to defund the police. Um, I don't think a lot of people really know what that means. Um, but essentially, it's not that police officers or police you know, entities won't get funding. Um, it's that they won't be overfunded and that some of that money can be reallocated into community resources, social workers, um, you know, ways for people to better themselves and become better educated, like that sort of stuff that really enriches a community as opposed to just investing in policing. Um, because we do know that over-policing is a huge issue in the vulnerable communities um, and over-policing and police brutality go hand in hand. What do you think, um, from your perspective, that non-Black people can do if they care about the Black Lives Movement and police brutality? Like, how can they support or participate? Okay. So, you know, I've been having quite a few of these sorts of conversations with people um, since this happened. It's so interesting because everyone's on different wavelengths. Um, yes, and levels of understanding or experience. Exactly, Absolutely. levels of understanding. So my first piece of advice is to take a breath. Um, it's really difficult to watch someone die. <laughs> if you are a human and you have emotion and compassion, then that was, and you watched George Floyd or Armad or heard about Brianna, then it was probably just as hard for you as it was for me, um, regardless of skin color. And so my first piece of advice is to take a breath, take a deep breath and really be with yourself and, and, and experience what you need to experience, whether that's grief or sorrow or sadness or shame. 
then I need you to actually become a little bit more, I've been using the word curious about your neighbor. I think at the heart of some of this stuff is not just the fact that, you know, over-policing and police brutality has been happening in vulnerable communities and people just don't know. It's that people in the past, because it's out of sight and out of mind, haven't been as interested. And so I think what this is giving us the opportunity to do is to be really curious about the experience of your neighbor, as you had said earlier, Felicia, um, what's going on um, in different communities that don't look like you? Why, what, what are the norms there? Why are they that way? What are the interactions between the people um, and, and the police and, and why is it that way? Really get curious about the experience of your, your neighbor and don't be too fast, don't be too quick to um, defend yourself or minimize your, um, their experience or, or you know, take anything personal because it really isn't about you personally, it's about a whole other system, <laughs> systemic racism, which is a big problem. Um, and then, you know, take some time and educate yourself. Like we said before, um, I think there's a huge gap in education when it comes to this particular topic. And I think that's important and it's intentional. Um, and so there's a lot, if you're really curious, talk to people who don't look like you, ask them about their experience and, and learn on your own. I don't think that, you know, it's just like any community, like you don't want your friends to be the end all be all of your education. That's not their responsibility. And it, they, they just can't be <laughs> that for you. So you have to get curious about your neighbor and you have to get just curious about the experience of others overall and do your own research, reading books by other authors of different races, really immersing yourself in a different culture and seeing how, getting curious about how it got to be the way it is. Yeah, and I think sometimes just even stepping out of your comfort zone and talking to someone who actually may have opposite political beliefs or ideology than you is not necessarily a bad thing because maybe that would challenge you and um, to think about what your beliefs or ideology is and to understand theirs and you know that's when change happens right yeah. where you get exposed to different ideas I love that and also just like to your point like talking to yeah I I, I think I've a couple of years ago when Trump was um, elected here in the States, I remember kind of speaking to some people initially about like, just kind of listening to why people felt like they wanted to elect him. And I remember getting like badgered by people on the other side, like, oh, why are you even entertaining them? They're all just like racist. And I just feel like there are certain words that we use that are triggering and they do, they shut down the conversation more than help facilitate conversation and I don't think it's it's useful to be that way I think it's important for all of us to continuously be curious about each other um, and be open to changing your opinion based on new information there's nothing wrong with that and you shouldn't feel ashamed for doing that right um, I try my best to be open. I'm not always successful. I am a human being just like mm -hmm. everyone else. But it definitely helps to actually hear people out and see where it is they're coming from. Do you have any recommendations of resources that people can go to to educate themselves about racial inequality in this country? Yeah, so I think actually starting with that movie 13th is really important. Um, there are actually quite a few, if you have Netflix, um, mm -hmm. there are actually quite a few films that Netflix has highlighted. Um, I don't know how long they're going to be highlighted temporarily or um, 
for the Black Lives Matter movement to show you what the experience has been for Black Americans here. Oh, actually, by the way, from what I understand, 13th is actually available on YouTube. Oh, wow. It's yes. now available Yes, on I YouTube. saw it the other day. I haven't had a chance to watch it myself, but I believe... It, Let's, see, let's hope it's still available. If it's available, I'll put it in the show notes, the link to it. Yeah. Reading some um, really important um, books by um, Black thought leaders like Malcolm X, actually. Um, of course, you know, his day is not the same as our day, but just getting a sense of like what it was back then and actually using you know, um, your imagination and not just your imagination, but doing further research to see like how we have progressed as a, as a nation from that time of Malcolm X to now. And, um, you know, Baldwin is always a good one to, to check out as well. There are just so many black thought leaders, um, to review beyond, um, (laughs) Martin Luther King Jr. Um, at this time, and I'm going to really challenge everyone to please go beyond Martin Luther King Jr. Um, of course, he's incredible and has done so much for um, not just our community, but for humanity. Um, but there are just so many other thought leaders that you should probably know about at this time. I also believe, not Hulu, Amazon Prime, if you have Amazon Prime video, they are have also gone ahead and highlighted some movies and films that you can watch, some documentaries that you can watch to educate yourself further. There was a book I was recently recommended, I haven't read myself, it's called My Grandmother's Hands, I believe. Um, have you heard of that book? No, I haven't. Okay. It's really interesting. So essentially it's about the impact of trauma and racism on the body. Um, and mm. how it actually, I believe, lodges itself into the body um, and affects how you move through the world. I think that that was a really interesting take. I've never really heard anyone talk about trauma and racist, racism in particular and how that affects the body. I would recommend maybe reading and checking out that book. I am going to check it out, yeah, by the that, way. That is interesting. I actually have heard somebody speak on this Um from the Asian perspective, because there's a lot of, you know, the, there's a history there about with Asian American Asian history. So, but yeah, that sounds really fascinating. It's a very different take on things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So start with those, start with the documentaries and then go on to additional reading and thought leaders from um, people throughout history. I think it's just important for us to understand that this is not even just about What's happening in the world right now is really not just about black and white, it's about all of us. Um, Very easily, it could be any race on the other end of that stick, (laughs) on the ish end of the stick, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is really not about um, making it easier for any just one race or one group, it's about really kind of expanding um, and growing as a people and as a humanity um, and really thinking deeply about how we treat treat each other um, at the end of the day. That's what's important. And also something I just wanted to kind of touch upon is, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect victim. You know, sometimes I hear, like one of the arguments I hear people talk about online is, well, you know, if he hadn't committed a crime, then blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's not about that. It's not about the crime he committed. It's not about possibly someone leaving a store with Skittles. It's not about someone possibly um, fitting the description of someone else who was robbing 
um, houses. It's not about someone using a counterfeit, you know, bill. It's about humanity. You know, these were human beings and they they deserve to be treated with, with dignity and respect no matter what. And I do really do feel strongly that, you know, how we treat um, the people in our most vulnerable communities is really a reflection of us, our hearts and minds as a nation. And if we degrade um, them, then to me, it's a slippery slope and, and we just have to love and care about each other. Mm-hmm. Not to get all Thank Buddha you. on you, <laughs> not to get all yeah. one love on you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I mean, I actually think like what you say really speaks to the question, like, why should non-black people care about Black Lives Matter? Because as you said, it could very easily be somebody else on the other end of the stick or the gun or whatever euphemism you want to use, right? Um, So it's important for us to all think about this. Yeah, Jaleesa, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to have this conversation. And hopefully it will help other people to think about what kinds of conversations they can have, you know, to address what their biases or gaps in knowledge may be. All of us, all of us, all of us, for sure. Like one thing I've actually also found interesting and that I don't know much about, um, but what's going on in Hong Kong? Uh Oh, yes. Oh, my God. And that, depending on who you speak to, can also be a slightly polarizing topic. So once again, always be curious about your neighbor. Always be concerned about what's going on, where people's rights are being eroded, because at the end of the day, it could be any one of us. We need to care. Right. Thank you so much. Of course. I've been speaking with Jaleesa Tucker about all of the social unrest we've been experiencing since the murder of George Floyd what's led up to it and the Black Lives Matter movement, and why the Black Lives Matter movement is something that we should all care about, regardless of skin color. We will share links to the items mentioned in our conversation and to additional resources on our website, www.talkingtaiwan.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.